Okay, guys, we continue with uh, Elijah and Elisha's journey. Last time we went, hey, Brandon, how far can I go before I get out of the screen? About there, okay. Um, so um, we were talking about uh, Elijah and Elisha reaching Jordan, and now uh, we'll stay at Jordan for about two weeks, this week and next week. This week we talk about, so what was this double portion about? And uh, the next week we'll talk about what do you do with a mantle. Um, so if you go to Second Kings two six, Second Kings two six, Second Kings two six, it says that then Elijah said to him, "Stay here. The Lord has sent me to Jordan." And he replied, "As surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, I will not leave you." So the two of them walked on. Um, so, till then, you had 51 young men, if you include Elisha. Till then, you had 51 young men following Elijah. But now there's a separation, eh? At the Jordan, there's a separation. They followed him through Bethel, uh, through Gilgal, Bethel, and Jericho. But when they get to Jordan, out of the 51, um, one keeps going forward, uh, the rest stay behind. And there's a separation. In your life, oh shucks, this is not what you write with. <laughs> In your life, always remember guys, the way this works, any separation will lead, uh, uh, separation precedes commission. Separation precedes commission. Separation precedes commission. In the sense, if you want to be commissioned, if God wants to commission you, he first separates you. What do you mean separates you? He first kadoshes you. What do you mean kadoshes you? Kadosh is a word used for holy. And yet kadosh means to be separated to God. That's the idea of kadosh. The idea of holy is not some kind of uh, behavior. It is some kind of uh, some kind of life that is so separate, so uniquely separate. And so every time one wants to be commissioned by God, or every time God desires to commission you, he begins to almost get you into a place where you can be separated from how you used to be or from the ones you were with and the way you were living he separates you he isolates you without separation there is no commission you see this with Moses what happens with Moses Moses is separated from whom first from his Egyptian heritage then from his Hebrew heritage and then one day at the in the back of Sinai he's separated and he gets commissioned at the burning bush you see this with Jesus. He's separated, taken into a desert, and commissioned. Separation is just normal. David, Joseph, all of them were separated before they were commissioned. And the idea of separation is not some kind of isolation, but it is, can I, can I draw you aside, pull you aside, so that you are now in a place where you begin to share something with me that you have never shared before. So separation precedes commission. And sometimes when you're being pushed into a place where things seem unfamiliar, things uh, you feel isolated, things are not uh, as, as comfortable as they used to be, do not think of it as a bad time. Do not even think of it as a wilderness. I was talking to somebody this week about a wilderness, and I know some of you have heard this before, but there is nobody in the Bible who has gone into the wilderness that hasn't had a ridiculous revelation of God and comes back stronger. It doesn't, doesn't matter what drives you into the wilderness. The first case of someone going into the wilderness was that of um, Cain. 
He murdered his brother and he's sent into the wilderness. But guess what? He meets God. How do we know that? God puts a mark on him that prevents anyone from harming him. This man who destroyed creation through murder now has a mark on him by whom? By God himself to do what? To protect him. You see Elijah going into the wilderness. You see Moses going into the wilderness. You see Jesus going into the wilderness. You see Hagar going into the wilderness. You see Israel going into the wilderness. You see Paul going into the wilderness. It doesn't matter who goes into the wilderness. That is where you meet God like you have never met him before. And so this idea of separation is critical to commissioning. Every time there is a sense of, okay, Jacob, I need you to separate yourself from how you are. And how I am is not bad, but there is a better place all throughout my life, there'll be a better place. And there's this call or there's this urge in your heart, there's this thing that begins to rise in your heart saying, come aside, I want to separate you. And when you hear that, don't be frustrated, don't think it's isolation, don't think it's sin. Begin to say, okay, God, this is going to be tough, but I want to be separated because I know what comes after separation. Separation precedes commissioning. And it never stops. So it doesn't matter how old you are. It never stops. Because you ain't like Jesus yet. So it ain't going to stop. Separation will have you um, break away from culture, family, friends. Yeah, totally. That's the hard part. That's why we don't want to separate. We don't want to separate from that which is familiar. So once the commissioning happens, uh, what a, uh, it's a heavy word, but it just means God calling you into what he always had in mind before you were born. Then God creates a miraculous passage. Then God creates a miraculous passage for you to walk through. And it's almost like a corridor or a tunnel where it's you and him. A miraculous passage. And that's what's happening here too. So there is a separation from the rest of the guys. And then there is a commissioning where Elisha gets a mantle. And then there's a miraculous passage where he takes a mantle, strikes the waters of the Jordan. The Jordan parts. He walks on dry ground. That is the next thing that happens. Once you're commissioned, there is a miraculous passage. As in this mountain that looked impossible to climb when God said, this is what I want you to do, now becomes so easy to climb. It is still strenuous, but your feet have strength. It is still strenuous, but your feet have strength. doesn't matter what is placed before you. I hope you have nothing placed before you that it's easy to do. Easy to do is for children, man. I hope it's always difficult, always difficult. Because in difficulty comes dependence. In dependence, God is revealed. In difficulty comes dependence. Out of difficulty comes dependence. In dependence, God is revealed. And when God is revealed, when Emmanuel is present, Oh my God, what do you need? In difficulty, dependence happens. In dependence, God is revealed. And so miraculous passages open up. Because every commission, I mean, just think of what God asks people to do. Eh? It's absolutely impossible. God asks this of a church, then God asks this of you. Absolutely impossible. And now that you have this impossibility, a miraculous passage opens. And once a miraculous passage opens, or this corridor opens, which and, and people will wonder, how is it that you aren't perturbed or disturbed by the, 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 the enormity of the task before you? Why is it that you aren't disturbed? Why is it that you're able to walk this easily? Because you now draw from a source that others don't know of till they step into it. 
And after the miraculous passage, the next thing that happens is the multiplication. Miraculous passage and then multiplication. Because everything that God does in terms of a commission in your life is not for your benefit. It is for the benefit of somebody else. It is for the benefit of somebody else. It is for the benefit of somebody else. After the miraculous passage comes multiplication, where the fruit of your life becomes what people eat. This church is a result of this. I remember this happening in my life 16 years ago. Miraculous passage. Things opening up that are impossible. And then multiply. Any questions on this? Any questions? What does separation look like? Separation is a um, growing frustration with life at present. Separation is um, a, a call from God to draw aside to spend more time. Separation is uh, some of your friends falling away. Separation is um, uh, pebbles in your shoe where things are beginning to grate and you need to drop them. Uh, separation is the beckoning of the Holy Spirit into dangerous situations that a fool would not step into but you are foolish enough to step into. Where he's beckoning you to step into things that you had sworn you would never take on. Separation is the placing a demand on your head saying, hey, I'm going to place a demand on your head so you begin to think different. Which one? Yeah, uh, separation begins to put a demand on you saying, hey, there's more that you are capable of before I commission you, but I got to squeeze it out of you. So there's a demand placed on you. There's a drawing aside, as in, come aside. Um, I need more time. For what I have you to do, you need to know me better. Not you need to read more uh, scriptures. You need to know me better. Separation is a pebble in your shoe where things are beginning to grate. You need to drop them. These, these shoes I've never worn before. You know why? Because I've had this all the while hoping that I would wear it one day. And then when I went to Chennai, um, uh, what's his name? Chad took my shoes and said, um, you can't wear these anymore. He had his reasons. So he took, he took a really nice pair of shoes that I had worn for at least another six years till it would have no soul left. But he knew how I behaved, so he took my shoes away. Well, you don't have to give your shoes away. What I'm trying to say... <laughs> yeah. Because uh, my habit is, if I love a pair of shoes, I get sentimental over stuff like shoes. So I can hold on to a shoes for six years till my feet are like this. Cause <laughs> really. And so he used to take them. These are already beginning to go away. He took them away. What I'm trying to say is, when it comes to separation, there is a grating that happens. As in, things are not fitting. You hold on to them because you like it. But God is saying, let go of it. It is so difficult, guys. But that's what separation looks like. If you're trying to figure out what separation looks like, that's what separation looks like. Happened to Jesus. Happened to Moses. They were put into such, such, almost contradictory situations for things to work out. At that time, to resort back or to revert back or to hold on to what you were, oh, commissioning does not happen. Then the miraculous passage and then multiplication. So multiplication does not start without separation. Eh? And you find this in the book of Genesis. 
Every time God separated the earth and the sky, or the uh, um, earth from the waters, what would immediately happen? Whatever he separated would be full of birds, fish, trees. He separated, he would cause the separation and then immediately populate it. It's strange how throughout Genesis you see that pattern. And as soon as he separates it, multiplication begins. Fruitfulness is a result of separation. And by the way, when you look at this idea of um, Jesus, uh, sorry, Elisha, uh, Elijah being taken away by the uh, whirlwind and stuff like that, you find that it's happened to three people and they almost belong to three different phases in the Bible. There was Enoch, he was taken away. And that was pre-Mosaic, pre-Old, uh, uh, pre-Mosaic uh, law. And then you see Elijah, he's during the times of the laws and law and the prophets. And then there is Jesus, who is in the time of the New Testament. These are three that were taken away. And then there's a fourth one left that still hasn't happened, and that's us. There's a taking away of the church. That'll happen at some stage. It's almost like three dispensations that have already taken place, and each one had someone taken away. That's just on the side. So Elisha asks for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. Elisha asks for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. What's Elisha really saying? Elisha is saying... Uh, can I be the firstborn? Because in Deuteronomy 21, verse 17, it says there that one should give to his firstborn, even if he is born of a wife you don't love, you still have to give him twice as much as what you would give your other sons. That's where the idea of double portion comes from. That when a man, and in those days you could marry more than one woman, when a man had two wives, it could be that the wife he doesn't love or the wife that he hasn't, uh, that he has fallen out of favor with him bore him her, his first son. But because he loves his second wife more, he may decide to give her son and the inheritance. And there was a law put in place which said, your firstborn, even if he is born of a woman you don't love anymore, will get twice as much as the other sons. And that's where this idea of double portion comes from. So in a sense, what Elisha is saying here is, uh, he's referring to the rights of a firstborn. And he's saying, hey, can I be the inheritor? Can I be the inheritor? Can I be the inheritor? Can I be the inheritor of the full authority? Can I be the inheritor of the full authority of the father? Here he's talking about um, Elijah, but we are talking about the other father, to carry forward, to carry forward all that the father had planned. Can I be the inheritor of the full authority of the father to carry forward everything that the father had planned? Because it is to the oldest or the firstborn that, writes a, uh, that, that, that the execution of the plan is given. We have one who is the elder brother, Christ. To him was given the rights to execute the father's desire. The difference is we are co-heirs with him. However, this function... Uh, we'll come to that. So this is what Elisha is asking for. Hey, can I be the one who receives full authority from you to execute all the plans that you were given by God? Can I be the one who does that? Our problem is we sometimes think to ask this 
is too boastful or too proud or uh, too much. We, we just say stuff like, whatever the Lord wills, really bad idea. Here is a dad who wants to give out things so that he can finish what Christ started. He wants to give it. And instead, when we say, you know, there was a guy who did this. A prophet goes up to King uh, Ahaz, or Ahab, I'm not too sure, and he says, ask what you want. And the guy says, whatever the God, Lord wills. And the prophet gets upset and he says, the sun will move back three steps. Why is it that when God asks you to ask something, do you take this back seat? Ne- never shy away from what God wants to give you. In fact, go knocking on that door. To sit and wait for things to happen ain't your God, man. Ain't your God. Behave like your God. So there is the need to, 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 to jostle for, can I have the authority to do here on earth what you want done? Can I have full authority for it so that I might fulfill your plans here on earth? Jesus wasn't waiting patiently saying, hmm, If the father runs out of all options, maybe I'll think of going to the cross. No, Hebrews 10, he goes up to the father and he says, sacrifices and offerings you have not required. What you need is a body. Here, I am, send me. Isaiah copies that, or doesn't copy that. He he happened before Jesus, but he gets the hang. He says, um, he, he hears a conversation in heaven. He just happens to hear a conversation in heaven. What's a conversation in heaven? Who shall I send? Who will go? Who shall we send? Who will go for us? Isaiah just happens to hear it. He, it isn't even being addressed to Isaiah. It's a question that's being farmed out. Let's hear if there's anybody on earth who's paying attention. And Isaiah shoots his hand up and says, send me, send me, send me. There are so many questions being asked every week from God, by God, from heaven. And during our quiet times, one of the things we need to hear is, hey, what's coming my way? Because there are lots of assignments being given out. We're waiting for a prophetic word to receive an assignment while in our quiet times we can receive assignments. Where you say, oh shucks, I heard that one. Please, can I have it? Please, please, please. That's part of a quiet time. And so do not hesitate to be someone who asks to be an inheritor of the full authority of the Father to carry forward all that the Father had planned. But then... Wasn't Elisha already designated as Elijah's successor in 1 Kings 16:19? Uh, sorry, 1 Kings 19:19. Remember that scene where Elijah goes, takes his mantle and throws it on Elisha and walks away? He was already designated. So why is he then asking? If he was already designated as Elijah's successor, what's he asking? Elisha knew that the spirit, with the smallest, the spirit of Elijah, Elisha knew that the spirit of Elijah was the secret, was the secret. Hey, by the way, um, I remember going to this place called Shillong, where, which some of you guys are familiar with and come from. I remember going to Shillong, and um, this was in 2009. Very clearly, God said, go to Shillong. Never been to Shillong. Uh, most people don't know it exists. Um, and so went to Shillong and uh, uh, felt God saying, you need, to, you need to complete the work that was started here. And uh, 
the first thing I did then, having heard that I was supposed to complete the work started here, is I went looking for the guy who started the work. And I found him. His name was Skinner. He was a pastor. His name was Skinner. And I asked the person I met in Shillong to take me to this pastor called Skinner. Skinner, 40 years ago, had started a work in Shillong that is now spread throughout those regions. But he was paralyzed. He could hardly speak. He could hardly move. He was in a wheelchair. And I knew that I had to go to him. He doesn't know me, and I somehow found an audience, went to him, and I went, he can hear me. And so I explained to him why I'm here. I said, but I, I will finish what you have started, but you need to bless me before I do this. And he couldn't speak, but he took his hands, laid it on me, and he began to pray with grunts and groans. And I knew it was critical that I do that. Why? Because sometimes, like I said, to carry forward all that the Father has planned. Sometimes it's a good idea to go to the person who he had given the thing to that won't be able to complete it. Sometimes people complete it. Sometimes people don't complete it. And then for the next 10 years, till 2020, we worked in Shillong. That's just on the side. So, Elisha knew that the spirit of Elijah was a secret, was a secret to both availing, as in obtaining, and prevailing, availing and prevailing in divine power. In divine power. Elisha knew, Elisha knew that the spirit of Elijah was a secret to both availing, as in getting, and prevailing in divine power. What does that mean? Guys, remember, Elijah was not very special. Eh? James 5.17 says that Elijah was a man just like you and I, ordinary man, and that he was a man just like you and I with weaknesses. So why, why then is Elisha going and asking for a double portion of the spirit that is upon Elijah? He's not talking about the Holy Spirit. He's, he's saying, can I have your spirit? But can I have, it, can I have twice as much? What's he, what's he asking for? Because very often we confuse this with the, oh, uh, he asked for a double portion of the Holy Spirit. You can't get double of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. He dwells in you. So what's he asking for? Why is he asking out of a man of whom we have heard that he was just an ordinary man with weaknesses just like you and I? One of the things we have to figure out, guys, is what do you want from either the church you belong to or the people that you hold up as ones that need to be imitated. What do you want? Elisha wanted some things from Elijah. He wanted this ability to have supernatural answers to prayer. Supernatural answers to prayer. It was something that Elijah was known for. James 5 then talks about it. He prayed and the rain stopped. He prayed and the rain started. Supernatural answers to prayer. He wanted to be someone who had, to, who had the courage to take on powers. Courage to take on Political powers like Ahab and spiritual powers like Jezebel. He was someone who had a fierce fighting spirit. He was, sorry, spirit was spelled wrong, spirit. He was someone who was a John the Baptist type. John is compared to Elijah. He was a voice crying out in the wilderness. He was someone who could turn an apostate nation to God. 
He was someone who would go into power encounters alone to face 850 others who worshipped demonic powers. Elisha knew what he wanted, man. Elisha knew what he wanted. He knows what he's asking for. He knows that Elijah is a flawed man. Nobody knew how flawed Elijah was as much as Elisha. Elisha served him. Elisha knows his weaknesses, knows his frailties, but he wants something from him. He's not asking for the spirit of God. He's asking, I know what you, your weaknesses are, but man, I know the kind of man you are. I want twice as much because this is why I've been placed on the earth. This is what I want. What do you want? What do you want? What do you want from the church you're in? And so you'll have to ask the question, what does this church have that I can want? What do you want from the people that you uh, want to imitate or follow? What do you want from their lives? Every time I've learned to walk under somebody, I know what I want from their lives. Quickly, I'll have an idea of, I want this, 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 this. I begin to cry out for it. I begin to try and model myself after it. But these are things that I'm modeling after that are in the character of God that this person is now beginning to show in real flesh. What do you want? Because if you don't want anything, you will go to heaven. But like I said last time, what kind of face am I going to stand before the king of the universe with? What do you want? Celine, you want some water? Oh, you got Yeah. Nowadays, if you cough, immediately we start doing this. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> I'm just joking. I was talking to Shika, just for the sake of the camera, yeah. This is what he knew he could get, man. And when you look at what Elisha does, you'll see 15 different miracles after Elijah goes away. And in those 15 miracles, you see how he absolutely over, overdid what Elijah could do. He wasn't asking for more of the Holy Spirit. He was asking for, can I have this that you have so that I can finish what I'm supposed to finish? It's an opportunity and a portion that is available to everybody here. It is an opportunity and a portion that is available to everyone. That's the cool thing about this. This is not some special deal for special people. It is an opportunity and a portion available to everyone here. Everyone here. There's nobody here who's exempt. Everyone here has an opportunity and the portion available to you. But as you begin to run after it, it'll change you. It changes you. It'll change you. Once you decide, aha, this is what I want, it changes you. It'll increase your capacity. It'll increase your capacity to receive the Spirit, to receive the Holy Spirit. It'll increase your capacity to receive the Holy Spirit. It'll increase the exploits of God through you. Increase the ex it'll increase the exploits of God through you. It'll increase the exploits of God through you. And it'll give evidence. It'll give evidence of God in you. It'll give evidence of God in you. It'll give the world evidence of God in you. You know, one of the great things about the firstborn, why firstborns were so important in the Hebrew world, was because the firstborn proved the father's virility. 
In, in, in Hebrew culture, not to have a son was unthinkable. It was almost seen as a curse. Because to have a son was to prove the father's virility. Changes for us. For us, it is more along the lines of, okay, so now I'm going to be changed as I begin to desire to fulfill the father's will here by walking as best as I can, running after him as a firstborn would. But as I'm changing, it'll increase my capacity to receive the Holy Spirit. It'll increase the exploits of God through me as I increase in my capacity. And it'll give evidence of the virility of the God called Yahweh, Jesus Christ's son and the spirit of God. It'll give evidence to the world. There is more power in seances than in churches nowadays. Has to shift. Any questions? No. No. The first person doesn't have to die to receive a double portion. It's not like Elijah has to die before you can... Re- if you were Elisha, it's not like Elijah has to die before you receive twice. Because there's enough work to be done, man. We need a thousand Elijahs and about three thousand Elishas at, living at the same time. Otherwise, if Elijah takes long to die, you might die before Elijah. The, the principle here is, guys, can you walk like this so that I can, so that every successive generation just gets more and more potent, more and more potent, does in less time what the previous generation did. In less time, in less time. And every successive generation is going to get more wicked and evil, eh? Your, your, your problems and your challenges are not going to lessen. Hey, the stuff I had to deal with, we didn't have porn. T- we, didn't, we couldn't even access porn. Didn't know how to spell it. It was such a long word. You think it's, it was more difficult then? It was less difficult then. As long as you didn't listen to Beatles songs and weren't at Woodstock, you were safe. Things are so, so not healthy right now. You need more of the Spirit of God now than you needed when I was your age. It's worse now, man. Your responsibility is to position yourself. Your responsibility is to position yourself That's your responsibility. There's God's responsibility and your responsibility. Your responsibility is to position yourself in order and in the arrangement of God here on earth. That's your responsibility. When you do that, God releases and rewards you. God releases your inheritance and rewards you. God releases your inheritance and rewards you. Man can't give you an inheritance. Elijah, why do you think Elijah is saying, you have asked a hard thing. I cannot give this to you. Only God can give it to you. How can Elijah give him something he doesn't have? A man cannot give you an inheritance. Only God can give you an inheritance. But 
God only gives inheritances through the agency of man. Here lies our problem. Man cannot give you an inheritance. I can give you nothing. How can I give you double when I only have single? How can I give you double when I don't have double to give? I only have what I have. How can I double it and give it to you? You can ask for it, God will give it. But God gives it through the agency of man. We want our inheritances without man. Ain't gonna happen. Ah, oh, some of us will be so poor, not because of our lack of passion, but because of, of our blooming stubbornness. Please challenge me, push back if I'm wrong. So let me phrase it again. Uh, my job is to position myself in order, as in God has an order here on earth. I got to get into that order. When I'm a child, I have to be with my parents. When I'm in a church, I'll have to follow the order of the church. Arrangement. God arranges things a certain way. At your work, you know how to arrange yourself in a certain way. You know that you've got to behave like this here. You've got a responsibility. You know how to fit. In the same way, we've got to fit. As you do, and as you begin to run this way, God will say, hey, there's no way I cannot release what I had planned for you right from the beginning. Your inheritance doesn't come from a human being. It comes from God. And it's, it's beautiful. It's brilliant. It was tailor-made for you. Only you can walk in it. If you don't walk in it, he'll give you multiple chances. And then he'll say, well, you might as well come and enjoy your mansion in heaven. Let me give this to someone else. He, he wants you to have it because it was tailor-made for James. You try to walk in his shoes, it ain't going to work, man. It was made for James. But James will only get it through the agency of man because it doesn't come flying down from heaven. It has to be modeled, taught, and then presented. Go ahead, Brandon. Um, how do we know if we are being called to give someone our inheritance? My heart towards anybody who comes to me should be that of a father. And if my heart is that of a father, then the father in heaven will give whatever he needs through me. My heart should be that of, I'll, it doesn't matter whether you're younger. You could be 30 and I could be 57 and you could still be someone who has the heart of the father towards me. And if you have that heart towards me, I will get whatever God wants to give me through you. Why? Because your heart towards me is that of a father. How will I not receive from you if your heart towards me is that way? It's natural for me to receive from you then. Um, what we did yesterday. You received. I wouldn't budge. He wanted to know something. We sat at Wings in Richmond, and I repeated the same question about 50 times, and he received what he was supposed to receive. You do that with the ayah. You do that with the ayah. I used to hate my dad when he used to do that. He could easily solve my math problem. Just give me the answer. No, he'll make me work through it. Prophetic words may give you the direction and the answer. But this is a process where you don't get the answer or the, the thing. You get the process and you get there, man. Guys, everyone here can be like this because you have a father. This is not some special thing. 
You have a father. You can reflect his heart. Others can benefit. They will get what they need to get because you have, you, you have decided you will cultivate the heart of the father. I mean, I was driving here today. I'm saying to my father, oh, too many confessions. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking of this today. I was thinking of if I went around this church, what could I learn from different people? I was fascinated at the things I could learn from different people. Pastors rarely think like that. Huh? This was one of those weak moments. And so, because <laughs> you only think people benefit from you. You don't benefit from anybody. And so I was going around the room and I was thinking of different people. What I could benefit from Sheldon, what I could benefit from... Uh, Subin, what I could benefit from Sue, what I could benefit from Jillian, what I could benefit from Evan. Things that they do much better than me in my life that I, if they actually help me, I could improve in it. I was fascinated. In some cases, it was honesty. In other cases, it was this, this irritating integrity. Uh, um, different things. Things that annoy me about you, but are so God. Consistency, generosity, kindness. Nick is one of the kindest guys in this room. Don't let it go to your head, let it stay in your heart. Eh? <laughs> your responsibility is to position yourself in, in the order an arrangement of God here on earth. Then God um, just releases and rewards you with portions of your inheritance. Man cannot give you an inheritance. A man can only give you what he has. He cannot give you double. Only God can give you double. And it's odd, eh? Elijah, Elijah is kind of echoing what Jesus says later. John and his brother James come and say, we want to sit on your right hand side. It was like a special place. What does Jesus say? Ain't up to me. It's up to the Father. It's kind of saying exactly what Elijah is saying. Oh, you want a double portion? Ain't up to me. It's up to God. If you see me, then it'll happen. Your inheritance comes from God. Come on, man. You've got to run as a firstborn. You really want to turn up in heaven without having handled your inheritance? And you think it ain't, it's going to be given to you without the agency of man? Stop being foolish. I hope I'm being nasty enough. It'll only come through the agency of man. Harry can spend the next two weeks being all uh, nice and, hi, how are you, and how's the weather, and uh, what do you guys eat if you don't eat kangaroo, and stuff like that. He, he, he can say stuff like that, and he can, <laughs> he can either coast on the surface or he can dive deeper, like those ducks that go underwater whenever you try to catch them. Oh my God, I went trying to catch those ducks. <laughs> Every time I'd get close to them, because I wanted to catch one and bring it to school for show and tell. But every time you'd go try to catch them, they'd dive under. So I came back to class and they wouldn't let me in because I was wet from here down. But that's a different story. The point is he can either coast or he can dive in deeper and say, okay, what is it that I need from here? Why have, been, why, why have I been brought here? What is that I need here? Or he can be friends with all of us, be Facebook friends, Instagram and all this stuff, and he can go home happy with, all, with another 20 friends. He's got to ask this because he's got only two weeks. That's why I'm picking on him. 
Don't worry, they aren't zooming in on you. Cultivate relationships with people you think you need things from, guys. Cultivate, cultivate relationships with people you think you need things from. Be with people you think you need things from. Cultivate relationships with people you think you need things from. Yeah, because the inheritance is from God, if I don't give it to you, Brandon, God will bring it to you anyways because you're running like crazy. And he'll hold me responsible for not releasing it to you. Thank God that man can't keep what God wants to give me away from me. Because if it was left to man, we'd all suffer. Because we mess up. Does that mean it'll come through someone else? It, it, God will use any agency he wants to. He'll say, I'm done with humans, let me use a donkey. <laughs> yeah, really. It, it doesn't matter how he'll accomplish what he wants to. He'll use unbelievers sometimes to open doors for you, man, because believers ain't working. Or he'll use someone really younger and obnoxious to do it for you. Cultivate relationships with people you think you need things from. Um, because most things that God wants to do in terms of releasing an inheritance to you comes generationally, comes through revelation, and comes through relationship. So cultivate relationship with people that you think you need things from. Think you need things from, uh, especially God things. If you, if you begin to realize that this is someone... I, I'll give you an example of... Uh, I know some of you have heard this a million times, but some of you haven't. When, when I met um, Paul's dad the first time in 2005, um, I knew he had what I needed, but I wasn't sure if I wanted to connect to him because I was scared that if I connect to him, then what if there are better people in the market? What if I didn't like him? What if he uh, was abrasive? What if he uh, put too much pressure on me? So when I met his dad, from 2005 to 2007, I tried to keep a healthy distance, but he would keep writing. I would just keep him at a healthy distance. Finally, I invited him to Vancouver in 2007, and then his flights got canceled, and I started praising the Lord, saying, thank God, it didn't work out. And instead of leaving the flights canceled, he rebooked another flight, and he turned up. And I'm thinking to myself, gosh, now I'll have to deal with this for a week. And uh, eventually changed our lives as a church. But the point is that sometimes, sometimes going down this path is not easy, man, because I like my freedom. I like my maverickness. I like being an authority unto myself. I like being the commander-in-chief of my own life. I like being the architect of my life. I don't like someone else telling me what to do. It is that independent evil streak in all of us. 
whether you like it or not. You see that in marriages. You see that in the lives of single people too. This is why this idea of coach, mentor, is much pleasanter. A coach will only teach you how to kick the ball. He won't teach you anything else. Mentors also. And so what's the process now? You go and ask them a question, they'll ask you 20 other questions back so that you can arrive at the answer. Try doing that with your kid. Huh? When your kid comes to ask you a question, hmm, let me ask you 20 questions. And you ask the kid 20 questions. Is that how it really works? It's not how it works. We've created these, 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 these really absurd forms. We've got no problem calling someone um, right reverend, but we've got a problem using terms like apostle and prophet. We've got no problems calling someone mentor, coach, spiritual guide, life guide, but we will not approach the idea of, alas, alas, my father. Jesus does say that do not call any man your father. Absolutely, don't call anybody your father or join the Catholic Church. But the, the, the intent was not call someone father, but can I come into a relationship where I begin to learn that way? Thank God for the people that God sent into my life. Eh? I pray God that you have people in your lives too that will do this for you. We are not looking for a relationship. We are looking for growth, guys. Very often what happens is, I want a relationship first with uh, Harry from Australia. And if the relationship works, then I'll grow. No! You're not after a blooming relationship. You're after growth and you're after the inheritance that your father has for you. Run after that and the relationship will come. Reverse it. getting too passionate. This kind of inheritance doesn't happen overnight, eh? This kind of inheritance doesn't happen overnight. You can't flip a switch. This began years ago when Elisha kissed his father and mother goodbye, burnt up his plow, cut his oxen, and walked away. This started long ago, and then he kept washing Elijah's hands. Every time Elijah would eat, Elisha would be there with a bowl to wash his hands. This cannot be flipped on just in a second. He left his home and his past to follow Elijah the day he cast his mantle on him. See, many are called. I know you know many are called and few are chosen. I want to add a bit to it. Many are called, but few choose to be chosen. Many are called, but few choose to be chosen. Many are called, but few choose to be chosen. Few choose to say, okay, I know I'm called, but now I want to be chosen to receive what I need to receive. Many are called, but few choose to be chosen. Because to choose to be chosen requires now a different walk, man. But it's so worth it. Because one day you've got to do it for somebody else. You've got to do it for somebody else. This is what we desire of our children. What is the desire for your children? That they'll grow up to be better than you. That they'll grow up one day to do things you could never do. That they'll grow up one day to be miles ahead of you. And then secretly also wish they'll take care of you when they grow old. I remember my mom asked me, you didn't get married, who's going to take care of you when you're old? I think of all of you. <laughs> but somehow she's not convinced. So. <laughs> Listen to this line, eh? There is a hunger, there is a hunger 
after God, there is a hunger after God triggered by those triggered by triggered by walking, triggered by walking with those who are hungry after God. There is a hunger after God that is triggered by walking with those who are hungry after God. It won't come any other way. problem is the distance we maintain, the distance we maintain to be safe, the distance we maintain to be safe. But this is critical. And I've said this before, but I used to yearn and beg the pastor in the church I was at before I came to Canada. Every time he'd go to pick up people that were coming to preach, I'd say, can I please come? I'll be quiet. I won't say a word. Can I please carry their bags? Please. And he would take me. I would sit there in the back seat like a fly on the wall, like a fat fly on the wall. And I would... (laughs) 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 Sorry, that came out by mistake. Don't use words like that. It's not right. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I would sit there and I would just listen to the conversation and get so rich listening to the conversation. I'd one day, I'd think, one day I'll talk like this. I don't even know what talk it was, but uh, most of the time I wouldn't understand, but there was this thing, man, that was happening. There is a hunger after God triggered by walking with those who are hungry after God. You see Joshua watching Moses disappear into the clouds. Live examples. You see Joshua watching Moses. Moses being called up the mountain. Joshua goes halfway up and he's waiting there. And then a cloud covers, uh, the cloud comes and covers Moses. And now he's above the clouds having a one-on-one with uh, Yahweh. And Joshua's waiting there, eh? You see Peter and John with Jesus. Uh, Peter's even saying stuff he doesn't know, like, can we build three tents? So uh, Moses and Elijah and you can hang out together. But he's, he's there. Peter was always there. He watches. Elisha's the same. He's walking with Elijah and he's watching him being taken away in a whirlwind. There is something to this, guys. You can come up with myriad excuses as to why it doesn't work. But start with the premise that it is the God ordained way for things to happen. Begin there. Hey, God is the one who does this. And if, if man doesn't give you what God wants him to give you, God will replace the man and give you what you're supposed to get because he's is, he is so interested and invested in you to the same degree that he's interested and invested in Jesus Christ is the same interest that he has in you. And the things that Jesus finished have now to be completely done across the earth and he will do it through you. These are guaranteed outcomes. There's a reason why Jesus didn't have pedigree. Because he knew half the guys in the church would be without pedigree. 
these men like Peter and John, like Elisha and like Joshua paid a price to be present as these giants of fathers ascended and every time they ascended and they waited and watched the spirit would descend and they would fill these youngsters these young men and women they would be filled with the holy spirit and john 14 12 would come to pass and what did john 4 what does john 14 12 say it's jesus's words listen you will do greater things than i have ever done i can say that to so many people in this church that you will do greater things than I could have ever done. You know what his dad says to me? His dad is now what? How old? 80? 81. You know what he says to me every time he sees me? Jacob, you are doing so much more than I could have done. You have gone so many other places. I taught you, but you do so much more than I could have done. That's what his dad says to me. And you think he's sad about it? Hmm. The fellow is better than me. No, he's thrilled about it. Every time his dad sees me, he weeps. Sometimes I don't know who his dad loves more, me or him. <laughs> I think it's me. <laughs> At the end of the day, when his dad exits the earth, his dad's exit should intensify the strength of what I do here. When I exit the earth, it should in intensify the strength that is upon you. Because as Elijah's leave, Elisha's must step up to a whole new degree. Uh, please don't think for a second that there's, I'm calling myself Elijah. I'm calling some of the older ones in this room who have walked this before Elijah's. And it is up to us to behave like Elijah's so that Elijah's can do better than us. And it's not an age thing. Just in case you thought, Oh, he now thinks he's Jacob, Elijah, John. No, I'm not. <laughs> there are moments when those thoughts cross, but I get rid of them quickly, yeah. yeah. Let's conclude. I love what happens in verse 10-ish. He, he says, if you see me, if you see me, if you see me taken away, if you see me taken away, if you see me taken away. You know, we think that Elijah went up in a chariot. He didn't go up in a chariot. What happens is, uh, while they're walking, suddenly chariots of fire and horses of fire appear. And those chariots and fire and horses of fire divide Elijah from Elisha. So let's assume this was a chariot of fire and chariot of horses. What happens is, Elisha's on this side, Elijah's on that side, and the chariots of fire and horses are in between. Elijah didn't go up in a chariot. A whirlwind comes and grabs him and takes him away. And the chariots of fire and the chariots of horses were basically a, a legion of angels, man. And surprisingly, there were legions of angels when Enoch left. Enoch talks about in Jude chapter 1, verse 14. In Jude 1, 14, Enoch talks about in a world of wickedness, the Lord comes with his angels to rescue in Elisha's case, again, there's this legion of angels that comes to take Elijah home. In 1 uh, Timothy 3.16, it says, Jesus was received by the angels. There is something to, once you begin to walk like this, a strange thing happens. You become to the enemy, the chariots of 
uh, Israel, and you become to the people of God protection and deliverance. Hear me again. I need to write that down. When we begin to walk like this, a strange thing happens. You become... You become to the enemy the chariots of God. You become to the people of God. Who's that? Who? Oh, Sheldon, of course. You become to the people of God protection and deliverance. This was one of Elijah's roles, eh? One of Elijah's roles was, hey, as long as I'm here on earth with you guys as Israel, I will give you the divine protection and the deliverance that you require by the authority that I walk in. And I will be to the enemy the chariots of God and the horsemen of God. This is something that we are supposed to exert once we begin to walk like this. You do that for your family, man. A passionate Spirit-filled parent, father or mother, can be this to their children. Where to their children they become deliverance and protection. And to the enemy they become the chariotry of Israel. You keep escalating the level. As a pastor, you think when I go to different nations and you're uh, here and I put someone in charge, you, you think I do not call what is required to keep you safe? One of the things we need to perish from our heads and if you think so, you need to perish it, is that I am saved because I have a good relationship with Christ. You try having a good relationship with Christ and leave this body or leave the church and see how you function. Let me say that again. Not this church. I'm not talking about Acts 29. Leave the body of Christ and function as a Christian with a good relationship with Christ and you will see how difficult life will get. Your protection is because of what you are a part of. You have no idea how much the body of Christ protects you. Look around you. These are the people that pray for you. When I isolate myself from the body because I have a good relationship with Jesus Christ, it doesn't work. Paul used it almost as a uh, means of discipline, saying, excommunicate him, put him out of the body, and then he will realize what Satan can do to him. We don't realize how much of our protection comes because we are part of something called the body of Christ of whom Jesus Christ is the head. There is so much protection. I'm not talking about Acts 29. I'm talking about the body of Christ. So if you think your personal relationship is keeping you healthy, got a news flash for you. It ain't you. It, I never think like that. Because that would be a, a, a recipe for disaster. Let me go to if you see. If you see. Guys, ugh, this is so precious. A mind that is willing to be transformed or if you want to take a simpler word, changed, will see. A mind that is willing to be transformed or changed will see. That's the only requirement, eh? Do I have a mind that is willing to be changed? At any age, at any age, do I have a mind that is willing to be changed? 
in any culture, in any denomination, in any way of thinking, will I keep my mind open to be transformed by God? If I have a mind that is willing to be transformed, I will see. And seeing always leads to permission. But changing in the mind requires you to be counter-cultural and counter-intuitive. So, Jesus asks a question of many of his disciples. Who do you say I am? And so here are the standard replies coming from different disciples. They're saying, some say you're a prophet, some say you're a teacher, some say you're like Elijah. And so he repeats the question, who do you say I am? And then one man has the ability to be counterintuitive, countercultural. And his answer is, you are Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. That statement upon a, about a man has never been made on the earth before. This guy goes against years of history, goes against everything that is Hebraic. He looks at a carpenter and he says something so counterintuitive, so countercultural. He says, Jesus Christ, you're the son of the living God. Here was a man who was a fisherman who was willing to have his mind changed. And once his mind changed, he begins to see. And what does he see? Jesus himself says, you need to understand this revelation did not come to you from the earth, it came to you from the Father. Then he says, I now give you permission. Here are the keys of the kingdom. Years later, a couple of years later, he's standing in Jerusalem and he takes that key and he opens the door and 3,000 people get saved. Seeing always leads to permission. May you, as you get older, and I'm looking at some of the older ones here, may you, as you get older, please choose to continuously have your mind transformed. A, a, a desire to have your mind transformed. That's all God is asking. Can you give me a desire saying, please, oh God, as I grow older, keep changing my mind, keep transforming my mind, keep transforming my mind. I plead with you, please, Lord, please let my mind be changed. That desire and passion, if you have, he takes it and works with it. Seeing. These are the ingredients. Pursuit. You know. Purity. Why? Because blessed are those that are pure, they shall see God. Pursuit is absolutely required. Persistence. Pruning, practice. Whenever you can't see or hear God, go down this road. Whenever you can't see or hear God, go down this road. Father, can't see you, but I ain't going to stop pursuing you because I know sometimes you hide. I know sometimes you want me to search. I know sometimes you want me to stumble over things I didn't even know were there and find out things. I'll keep pursuing you. So here I come. How do I pursue you? I'll pursue you with a sawdust-like song. Even though I'm singing it, I don't mean a word of it. I'm going to keep singing it, though it tastes like sawdust, and then suddenly it'll burst in my mouth. Pursuit. What happens next? Purity. Blessed are the pure, for they shall see God. Father, nothing is working for me, but I am going to continue giving you a life that is separated and pure because it is such an easy way to see God because I get to ascend the hill of the Lord. Persistence. You think... 
I won't persist. I'm better than Jacob. I can wrestle and hold on to you. Not for till the dawn. I can handle you till the dusk, oh God. Try me. I ain't going to stop. I know what you told me. I will have it because you said it. You are faithful. Therefore, I shall have it. What 12 years? What 13 years? I'll wait 14, but I shall have it. Why? Because you're a God who's faithful, and I'll show you what I can do. Do not give him rest. Isaiah 62, verse 8 and 9. God says to Israel, listen, do not give me rest. Do not give me rest. He's literally saying, come, persist, harass. Do not give me rest. Isaiah 62, verse 9 and 8. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned and heard my cry. He lifted me up, put my feet on a rock, and gave me a song and put a song in my mouth. Now, now, many shall see, many shall fear, and put their trust in the Lord. Sometimes it is okay for him to wait while things are changing in your life and people are watching. Because it's going to turn to your benefit. What the enemy meant for evil, you always turn it to good. Persistence. Pruning. During the process, God will chip away a branch here that's useless, a branch there that's useless. So what? Big deal. And then, practice. Revelation that is not practice is just information or knowledge. Revelation that is not practiced is knowledge. Knowledge puffs up. Revelation that is not practiced is knowledge. Knowledge puffs up. Revelation that is not practiced is just knowledge. Charismatics are crazy about revelation. We are charismatics. We are Baptists. We are Baptists and charismatics. <laughs> charismatics are crazy about revelation, but when it's not practiced, it just becomes knowledge. And what does knowledge do? Knowledge always puffs up. Last point. So please, please see, don't be blind. Please see, don't be blind. You know, my mom's eyesight has been deteriorating. And uh, this time when I went, met her, I realized that um, her eyesight had deteriora deteriorated to the point where if she's in a dark room, it's very dark. But if you bring her out into the bright light, it is too bright. That's what happens when we don't follow these five. God will bring us into a dark room and we won't know how to make our way. God will bring us into bright light and we still won't be able to make our way because it's too bright. So the only place my mom operates with absolute confidence is in places that are familiar. She can operate without any help in places that are familiar. In her room, she knows how to get everything. She won't stumble over everything. She knows where everything is. That happens to us, where now we begin to operate in that which is familiar. That's blindness. When you have been in a familiar situation for years on end, you must entertain the thought that perhaps you are blind. Some of us can be willingly blind. As in, it's okay. I've achieved enough. Willingly blind. Some of us can be traditionally blind. Traditions are so deeply ingrained that now we won't drop them. And don't think I'm talking about Baptists or Pentecostals. I'm talking about you and me. Traditions are not denominational traditions also. It can be the way I think. You think I don't have traditions? You've spotted them. The only person who doesn't spot traditions is me. Traditions are blind spots. Traditions are blind spots. I have them. You know them. You're gracious enough or scared enough not to say it to me. 
you have traditions too traditional blindness then there is um, childish blindness childish blindness where it's just ignorance it's just ignorance that's the easiest to deal with then there's unbelieving blindness where you it's a lack of faith to believe more and then there is stubborn blindness that's the worst eh? that's the that's perhaps the only thing jesus finds hard to deal with stubborn blindness that's when pride is the reason for your blindness pride and what does jesus do when it's stubborn blindness the, he does something that is so not god he resists you when you're stubbornly blind he resists you james i'll give grace to the humble but i and when god resists you you're usually humbled that's why he resists you as i am scared that as i get older if i get stubbornly blind and insist on my ways because this is the way i like and this uh, i'm the pastor so this is the way we'll do it he'll begin to resist me stop there next week we'll talk about the mantle any questions guys before we go any questions feel free to ask any questions okay it's 103 let me take 6 or 7 minutes and ask you these questions um uh, just write down these questions you may not get time to do it now ask this question uh, please write them down uh, because if you're not going to write them down you're not going to go home and listen to this message and you won't answer it so please don't be poor please be rich write it down what would you what do you want to get from if this is a church you are planning to attend for a while while what do you want to get from this church what are, what are some of the what are some of the uh, strengths here what is the spirit of this church what is the spirit of this church what do you want to get from here or what do you want to get f- what does god want to give you from here and when i talk about a church i'm talking about people what do you want to get from here Now the question do you think you can actually get your inheritance without this process answer it honestly i'm not going to ask you do you think you can actually get your inheritance without this process if you think yes then just uh, never listen to this message again or actually listen to it 10 times <laughs> do you th- do you think you can get your inheritance without this process do you really think so yeah the what we've been talking about do you really think you can get it because if if so you have to uh, go about it scripturally in your mind eh why do you think so another question are you after growth first or relationship first both are super important for things to happen but are you after growth first or relationship first growth as in growing in the things of god another question who do you have to kiss goodbye who do you have to kiss goodbye who do you have to kiss goodbye culture parents yesterday was emily's birthday today is don's birthday i don't know how that one got in between who are you 
Who are you molding after here on earth? Who, who have you knit your heart, your bone, and your spirit with? Who are you molding after at this present time in your life? Who are you molding after? If you said, Jesus Christ, I want you to know that he died and rose again and isn't here in flesh, but he left his body behind, so it will have to be someone in the body. So please don't say Jesus Christ. Who are you molding after here on earth? And who have you knit your bone, your heart, your spirit with? Bone after bone, flesh after my flesh, bone after my bone. Who have you knit your heart with? No, it's just one question. Where are you struggling to see? Where are you struggling to see? As in which area are you struggling? We talked about seeing. Which area are you struggling in when it comes to seeing? Last one. What do you want from Elijah's or Moses's or Paul's in your life? Have you identified them? What do you want from their lives? I was thinking of this church and I was thinking some of the things that I would want if I was someone who was coming to this church, I would love to receive from. There's a strange, strange as in wonderful, knowing of the Father in this church, knowing of the Father in this church that I've never seen anywhere else. I used to long for this. Again, I feel bad for the old timers in this church because they've heard my story so many times. Um, One of the first churches I attended was a church called Jufair Chapel. Marcus and Loria know where that is in uh, Bahrain. I'd go to this church and sometimes I'd turn turn up there early and uh, you would see the pastor talking, but there's nobody else in the church. He'd be talking and you would suddenly realize that he's talking to God. But the way he would talk to God was so familiar that you would think God was there. The first time I started looking around. But, and I remember hearing, and I'm saying to myself, man, I wish I had this. There's something strange and wonderful about the Father in this church. Another thing in this church is hearing. People in this church learn to hear over a period of time. Third thing is, there are patterns this church will patterns this church will affect the earth with. Not affect the city with, affect the earth with. These are earth-changing patterns that will come out of this church. People in this church know how to rest and work. They don't toil. This church loves warring, or will love warring. This church understands what it is to be sent to the nations. This church has order. This church understands what it means to be part of the body. These are things that, some of the things that I wrote down just without even thinking about this church. There might be other things. What do you want from this church? If I were you, I'd say, all of it. Yeah. Be greedy when it comes to the things of God, eh? Be greedy. Say no twice and then take all of it. Have someone, no, no, no. Say no, okay. Answer these questions, it'll be good for you. Yeah? Any questions, guys?
Go ahead, Nick. Yeah. Yeah. So you want me to explain it? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and you're. Go ahead, go ahead, Nick. So, uh, the whole your responsibility thing, how does that play out with the Holy Spirit? Like, like, how does that look? Okay, so you invite me to Richmond Christian uh, to talk to your kids. And so I'm coming to your class, and uh, I'm your pastor, and I'm older than you. Um, and yet, when I come to your class, I come and tell you, hey, Nick, this is what I want to talk about. What do you think? Uh, how much time do I have? I can't take one and a half hours like here. How much time do I have? Uh, um, is there anything I shouldn't say? Um, uh, and then when I come up, I'll say, I'm glad Nick called me. I know him from church. Hey, Nick, correct me if I'm wrong and stuff like that. I'll do all this stuff. Suddenly, in your classroom, I know how to arrange myself to be a maximum benefit to your kids. So in different situations, we place ourselves differently because our God is a God who loves arrangement of things. Jesus was this way. Paul was this way. He arranges himself quickly. Paul apologizes for calling uh, one of the high priests a whitewashed tomb. Secretly, he must have delighted in it, but he did apologize for it. And so there's this arrangement that he that, that there is throughout the world. If we walk in the arrangements of God, it is impossible for us to be robbed of what is ours. And God flows through us so brilliantly because he just thrills with order. Everything that he has put in place is so orderly. He operates in order. And the one thing that destroyed the earth was the rebellion against order. I mean, there are places where I'll go and I don't feel like standing. But if the pastor says, stand, even though I don't feel like standing, I'll stand. Sometimes they'll say, open your mouth and praise the Lord. And I'm thinking to myself, but I've been praising the Lord for four hours. Give me a break. And then I'll go and say something like, praise the Lord. Because I, I, I don't want to not obey. It rankles me sometimes that I have to. But if I am somewhere and if someone is placed over me, it doesn't matter. I will get up and open my mouth. I remember going to a women's Bible study once. They invited me to preach, and I went there, and um, they told me what to speak on, and I'm sitting there, felt the Holy Spirit saying, I want you to speak on this, so I spoke on that. And uh, the lady who runs the group called me and said, I'd asked you to speak on this, why didn't you? I said, I felt the Holy Spirit telling me to speak on this, and she said, why didn't you tell me? I thought that was brilliant. Sure, the Spirit of God told you, but if the Spirit of God told you and she's in charge, tell her that this is what I sense the Spirit of God telling me to. Because she asked me to come and speak at her. So what gives me the right to do what I want without first checking with her? It's amazing when we arrange ourselves the right way, guys. It's just brilliant. And when we don't, know who you're sharing your bed with. Know who you're sharing your bed with. Go for it, man. 
No, first go taste it and then say, it tastes really good, Jacob, I'd like to. Because there are so many things outside of Acts 29 that God is. If Acts 29 was what God is, this church would be much bigger, trust me. <laughs> so there's so many things outside this, see? And if you have that sense in you and that is part of your inheritance, then go taste it and if it is real, come and tell. Because this place cannot provide you everything that is meant for you. But my God, it can provide you some really good stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, if we don't go looking for it, we might see it. What has happened to us is we want a glorious sign to endorse what God is doing. And God is saying, I used to do that in the Old Testament uh, because I never lived inside people I lived outside of them. But now that I live inside of you, can you just relate to me because you and I have one spirit? And once that happens, he may, just for the fun of it, say, hey, let me just show you a little bit. Huh? And he just shows you a little bit and it'll blow your mind. But it is no longer the endorsement you need to walk. Because rainbows, a handwriting on the wall, Paul falling off his horse, even though it's in the New Testament, he was in the Old Testament. Um, all these signs were signs that were meant to convince a people who did not have the Spirit of God dwelling in them. The last time lots were drawn for anything was in Acts chapter 2, before the Holy Spirit fell. After that, we don't even have the drawing of lots. And so it is, God would prefer not using signs to confirm things to you because then we become a people dependent on Science. We, we, we become very Jewish. It's the best way to be messianic. And so, so, so you don't want to go that route. What you want to do is know inside you and then it's like, let God show. Let me trust God first in here because his spirit and my spirit have become one. And then sometimes God will show stuff, man. And when he shows, you have to ask the question, do I share this with people or don't I? Because some of us go share things God has shown us and those people will never trust you again. Because to begin with, you were weird. Now you are really weird. Yeah. So that's how this works.